during recessions, people get scared. People get fearful. I'm sure all of you can feel the sentiment in the streets, even right now, of just the fear and people not wanting to take any actions at all. And they're sitting on the sidelines, waiting, maybe not learning all the skills that they need to do, not working on their team, not putting in offers anymore, even though there's always inefficiencies in the real estate market. So even in the toughest times, there are still going to be deals, but people get scared and they don't want to do anything. And when that happens, the tendency is that you're going to miss a lot of opportunity. And the recession really is an opportunity for all of us who can continue to act with courage. Courage is having fear, but doing something anyway, because you know it's the right thing to do. And so if you can manage your mind, if you can say, okay, I know it looks scary, but I understand the cash on cash calculator. I can evaluate a deal. I have a great team. You are going to be in such a different situation when we come out of this recession, because you will have continued to grow, even though everyone else was scared and they were shrinking. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com str course. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, The Crash Course in Cashflowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cash Flowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. Today, we'll be giving you 10 tips for investing during a recession. Now, Kenji has gone through a couple recessions now investing in real estate. So maybe he can start out by telling us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the first uh, recession was in 2001. And that's actually when I just got started investing. So it was actually a really great time to pick up some amazing deals. And so I had that experience of being in the position of buying properties that were being sold for at a significant discount, and then watching that rise from the low point all the way leading up to 2007, 2008, the next downturn, uh, which I was also investing to. During that downturn, it was a little bit different because I owned a number of properties and a lot of those properties lost value, lost significant value. And so I was in a position where I was trying to sell a number of different properties. And one of the big lessons for me was that during that time, even though you might price a property at a very reasonable rate, it's just not a great time to be a seller because the psychology during that time is fear. And so it's it's irrational fear. And so even if your property is priced at a really good price point, 
people are still not uh, buying. And so as a seller, it was very difficult. And so what I had to do was I actually had to hold a number of those properties that were not cash flowing. And that's the real key. We're going to talk about that. Hold a lot of those properties that were not cash flowing. And I had to work in order to pay for those mortgages and the insurance and, and the utilities on those properties. Yeah, so Kenji's had some personal pain here. So that's going to be great to really infuse into this episode and talk about some of the real life experiences that he's had investing through a downturn. And so right now we are in a recession. I know some people may argue that point, but we're in a recession. And so one of the keys that you just heard Kenji share is that it's not a great time to be a seller during a recession. And so right now we actually have a couple of properties on sale and it's they're not moving. And so it's really not a great time because because people are not wanting to go out and buy properties. They're scared. The interest rate is higher than it has been for a long time. And so we've not seen a lot of action. Yeah, and also, if you look at what's happening in social media and, and a lot of prominent uh, real estate investors, you know, they're, they are actually saying, hey, sit on the sidelines. And not all of them, but there's a lot of noise in that direction. And I think that you know, part of this episode for me is to let you know that, yeah, when back in 2001, when it was immediately after the downturn, there were some amazing opportunities. And that's what I really wanted to highlight here is that there are tremendous opportunities if you're on the buy side. So this is a great time for buyers, and it's only going to get better in our opinion in, over the next six months, 12 months, couple years. And so what we really wanted to give you were some great tips that you can use going into the next couple of years as a buyer to really come out of this whole recession in a totally different place than we go into it. So number one, is going to be buy for cash flow. And this is something you guys hear us talk about all the time is cash flow. But this is really why, because if you have cash flow coming in from a property, it really doesn't matter what happens to that property in terms of its value, you can continue to hold it. And that's what we're all doing here is we're doing the buy and hold strategy, which is buy properties that cash flow, be able to afford to hold on to them for a long time because they make you money. And so during recessions, it's not such a big deal to be able to stay with that property and hold it for years and years if you need to. Yeah, you really want to make sure you buy for really good cash flow because during a recession, there may be more vacancies. Uh, there may be people who need uh, who are going to demand rent concessions. In this, I think one of the differences here is that because of the rising mortgage rates, people aren't going to be able to afford to buy homes. So the demand for rentals may actually be pretty high here. So unlike in previous recessions where I invested, uh, one of the things that you did have to do was you had to give rent concessions. There was more vacancy because people lost their jobs. And so what happens is, is that your cash flow could go down. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you have a really, really good cushion, a really good cash flow amount that's coming in every year so you can cover that vacancy and you don't go negative in your cash flow. And for those of you who haven't been through one of our courses or maybe are newer to real estate, what we do with cash flow is we run cash and cash calculators and we can put links to our long-term rental course cash and cash calculator and our short-term rental cash and cash calculator in the show notes. But those are really what you're using to predict the cash and cash return of your property before you even buy it. And in our community, a lot of people are aiming for 10% or more with long-term rentals and 20% or more with short-term rentals. And so that's that cushion that they're aiming for. And what Kenji's talking about is during a recession, as more and more deals become available and better and better deals, it's actually increasing the amount of cash and cash return you really want. So you have a bigger and bigger cushion. What we have seen in this recession thus far anyway, is 
actually really high demand for our rental properties because people aren't affording houses. But, you know, as things get worse, people are going to lose their jobs and you may have more economic vacancy where people are in your units, but can no longer afford to pay. And so you are not collecting those rent payments. So that is a very high possibility for all of us who own properties. And so you want to be prepared for that. So what we'd encourage you to do is something that we've been doing in our community for a long time, which is we always run multiple scenarios with the cash and cash calculator. And this is really, really important even for short-term rentals or even more so for short-term rentals because how short-term rentals performed a year ago if they're in a vacation area may be very different from how they perform a year from now. And so if you run these multiple scenarios, you run a very conservative scenario with your cash and cash, uh, an expected scenario, and maybe a high-end scenario, you get to look and see how your property will perform. And you can pressure test it before you even buy it by running those low-end scenarios and asking yourself questions like, okay, well, if the property performed really well in 2021, what if my bookings drop by 40% in 2023? What does that look like with my cash and cash return? Do I still want to buy the property if that's the case? And run those kind of scenarios to know ahead of what you want to do. Yeah. And for me, uh, going into this this period of time, uh, I definitely want to make sure that I have even better cash flow than the 10% or the 20% you just mentioned, uh, because I want that buffer. And so I'm I'm really going for even better deals. And that really get, takes us to our second point, which is that you really want to make sure that you're negotiating. When you put in an offer, you want to make sure you put in uh, negotiate multiple times throughout the process in order to get that really great deal. And the first step is you might put in a lower offer than you might have in the previous time when, when there were so many so many buyers for every deal is really competitive, but now it's different. There aren't any buyers out there. So you should be able to put in an offer that's significantly less than what they're asking. And that's what we're actually receiving as as we have two properties uh, listed, as Leite mentioned, and we're getting those lowball offers. Uh, we're not accepting them because we're not in a position where we have to sell. But if we were in the position that we had to sell, then it's likely that we would accept a lower offer than, than we're putting out on the market. So definitely that's one instance where one place where you can negotiate, you can, you can negotiate up front. The next time is during the deal. When you're in the middle of the deal, uh, you can identify issues with the property and use that as another opportunity to negotiate. And another another opportunity is towards the end of the process, if the property doesn't appraise, uh, that's going to be another opportunity for you to negotiate another discount. And again, multiple times throughout that process, you're going to get be able to get that price down. And we really encourage you guys to go out and get the absolutely best deals that you can. Yeah. And I think you really covered that one perfectly. So I'm just going to go to the next one, which is forcing appreciation. And again, another thing you hear us talking about all the time is forcing appreciation. So increasing the value of the property so that if you do want to sell it down the road, you even if it's if it's the value of the property's dropped in terms of market value, because you've forced appreciation, you're probably still worth more than what you bought it at. And you're able to sell it and walk away with money in your pocket instead of coming to the table and having to pay to be able to sell that property. And so forced appreciation is really a risk mitigation strategy because it helps boost that value of the property. But it actually also, you know, ultimately grows your net worth. And then every time you're forcing appreciation, you should be getting resulting higher cash and cash return because of the changes you're making in that property. And so forced appreciation is so key going into a downturn and being in a downturn and all the time really to growth in your real estate portfolio. So continue to focus on forced appreciation and make sure that you're buying deals where you can add to them, not just buying turnkey deals at market prices. Yeah. To give you a real tangible example, there was an example of a two-bedroom home 
it had this really large attic area with actually pretty high ceilings. And so what the people who bought it did was uh, it wasn't fixed up and what they did in, in the attic wasn't even livable. It wasn't even livable space. The property was being sold as a two bedroom. And what they did was they made a third bedroom up in the attic by finishing it up. Again, I mentioned there were high ceilings already, so they didn't have to prop it up or do anything uh, complicated there with the roof. And they added a considerable amount of square footage as well as an additional bedroom. And so that forced significant appreciation. Now it's a three-bedroom home with a lot more square footage compared to a two-bedroom home with less square footage. So that's an example of forced appreciation, how you're really adding value to the property, making it a completely different property. So it's not even compared to uh, the properties that you that, that you bought. Okay. So we've talked about negotiating and buying a good deal, which is immediate appreciation. We've talked about forced appreciation and adding value to that property by changes you make. And then I think the other way you really can make sure you're maximizing the amount you get out of each property you buy is making sure you access those tax savings. You know, make sure you're getting using the short-term rental tax loophole, making sure that you're getting real estate professional status if you can, or having your spouse do that so that you can really maximize the dollars in your pocket now. And every time it's a real estate investor, you get more money in your pocket, that allows you to go buy more deals, which are going to turn into more money down the road. And so uh, what we really do is we try to maximize every dollar in our pocket today so we can reinvest, so we can be in a different place in terms of our growth three, five years from now, instead of just not making use of every dollar. This episode is sponsored by Rain City Capital. Rain City specializes in hard money loans for fix and flips, rentals, and new construction projects. Now, hard money isn't for everybody, but it can be a great tool for pro investors who need more flexibility with their financing. Maybe you're having trouble getting approved for a loan or you're going to miss out on a great deal because your lender can't close in time. Whatever your situation, if you can't go conventional, check out Rain City Capital. Since they only work with investors, They're experts at finding creative solutions to meet your goals. And since many of them are investors themselves, they keep their approval process quick and simple. For our students, Rain City offers personalized deal review. You submit the property info and they will call you to run the numbers together. They can usually tell you within five minutes if it seems like a good deal or not and how to move forward. No strings attached. Visit raincity.online forward slash SRMD to learn more or submit your deal for review. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Movement Mortgage. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. We've been working with Dan and his team for over eight years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at srmd at movement.com to get a free consultation. And also let him know that you're part of the Semi-Retired MD community to get an exclusive discount on your next loan. Now back to the episode. All right. In terms of the next one, we touched on this, but uh, you want to really make sure you have a backup plan. And we talked about forced depreciation as one option for having a backup plan. Other options are 
looking at different potential tenants. So one one way you can really boost the cash flow of a property is maybe turning it into a midterm rental or a short-term rental. So let's say you do the analysis for the property as a long-term rental and it performs pretty decently, but let's say that the property doesn't work out as well as you, you had hoped as a long-term rental, then you maybe can furnish it and uh, rent it out as a midterm rental and get more cash flow. And then you can even turn it into a short-term rental, which might even get you even more cash flow. The idea here is going back to the first point, which was making sure that your property cash flows. As long as it's cash flowing, you can withstand a recession. You can get through it. You don't have to worry about losing money or the property losing value because you have that backup plan in place. The property is cash flowing. You can continue to hold on to that property. Yeah. And I think that brings up the next point that I really want to talk about, which is don't worry if your property loses value. When you go into a recession, oftentimes, especially single-family homes, are going to lose in value because the the value of them is based on all the other properties around it, all the other single-family homes, not really necessarily based on the income that it's bringing in as a rental property. So especially single-family homes are at risk of losing value. Same with small multifamily, more likely as well. And your large multifamily will lose value too if you're not bringing in as much income because the value is based on the cash flow. And so if your property loses value, as long as you're cash flowing, it doesn't matter, right? Just like our values of our properties have increased astronomically over the last couple of years. It's great. It makes us feel great. But ultimately, if we're not selling the property, it doesn't really matter. And so it's the same with the downturn. Make sure you have that cash flow. And if your property loses value, don't freak out. Don't don't run and try to sell right away. If you're cash flowing, you don't need to sell. You can buy and hold and the values will come back. Everything has a limit of time. The recession is not going to last forever. So where your property is in 2023 in terms of valuation is probably not going to be where it is in 2025 or 2026. Things will eventually come back. And at that point, if you want to get rid of the property, you can. But in the meantime, if it loses value and it regains value, the loss, it doesn't matter as long as you don't sell. All right. So let's talk about tip number seven, which is making sure that you're looking uh, at other financing options. And so this is an unusual uh, recession because you have inflation at the same time. And so with inflation, you have higher mortgage rates. And so therefore, a lot of these deals that were deals before, they're not panning out anymore because you have such high financing costs. So what if you could figure out a way to lower the financing, uh, in other words, lower the mortgage rate? And there are a number of different options for that. One is that you can actually assume somebody else's loan uh, that's at a lower rate than it is currently. Uh, And so that's one way to kind of get a a deal and get a lower interest rate. Another one is that we're seeing actually more commonly, we're actually just looking at a deal uh, where there's seller financing. Uh, And again, just imagine the sellers are getting desperate. There are going to be a number of people who are just wanting to get out. And these there are a number of people who have a lot of equity in their properties, and they're willing to provide some of that financing. They're willing to be the bank. And uh, in order to sell their property, they know that they're going to have to give you really good mortgage rates because that's what's going to make the numbers work. Yeah. We've also seen people really, as part of the negotiations, asking for the sellers to pay down points as well. And and in one of our properties that we currently have for sale, that's part of what we set up is, hey, we'll put so much money towards paying down the points so that you can get a better mortgage rate and have lower monthly payments and increase your cash flow. And so that's also an option with your negotiations. As interest rates continue to climb, if a property's been on market for 30, 60 days, the interest rate's gone up since they listed it. You're negotiating upfront to get a lower price. You're negotiating with inspection. Then maybe you try 
try to negotiate also some some money to pay down points. And then you're hoping it doesn't appraise so you can negotiate again. And then you're negotiating four different ways. That's really where you can get creative and and really get the most uh, juice out of the orange here with the recession and actually turn the recession into life happening for you and a really good thing for you because you're being creative and seeing how to make it work for you, the situation. Right. Tip number eight, you really want to look at uh, tenant diversity when you're buying your property. So don't just kind of think about your regular old tenant. Think about all these different programs that are out there uh, that may allow you to cash flow even more. Uh, so uh, we have a, a whole episode on this where it's called the recession proof your real estate portfolio. Uh, and uh, we talk about all these different types of tenants uh, that you can go after, like Section 8 or Veterans Affairs or military tenants. Uh, we also have prop, uh, a property with supported living. Uh, so there are a lot of different options out there. And what that will do is not only have, you might have an opportunity to increase your cash flow, but also it will be recession proof. In other words, uh, you won't have those vacancies that you might have uh, with regular tenants. Yeah, and we saw that during the COVID recession, we didn't bring up that recession because it's mm-hmm. such a little small one, but but we did see that the, during that time, those tenants that we had that were paying us from the government really made a big difference in making sure that we continued to get paid. So it was a really great deal. This is also the time number nine is build a great team, right? And to work on your team and really pick out great team players. When times get lean, then this actually cuts out a lot of like maybe the weaker real estate agents are going to quit. Maybe the weaker contractors who aren't doing a great job, aren't reliable, they're going to lose a lot of their business. So recessions actually make sure that it weeds out kind of the weaker players and you can build this really strong team of A players during a recession. You know, the contractors who are really quality that have a huge following of raving fans, those are the ones that are going to survive. And so all of a sudden you have the great contractors You can also make sure you have a great property manager because as things get tough, especially if you're having a lot of economic vacancy, you want to have a strong property manager in your corner who's going to be able to handle some of those situations. And so this is the time to reassess your team, make sure everyone's an A player. And if they're not, be looking for alternatives now who you can sub in as times get tougher and tougher. Yeah, this is where you create loyalty because if you can provide jobs to somebody during this time when when there aren't that many jobs out there and you can help them feed their families, uh, they're going to be loyal to you when times get really hot. And I can think of a contractor we worked with for uh, the last uh, seven years, uh, eight years, and they stuck with us through the whole, you know, when it was hot, because we when we actually first hired them, the economy was a little bit more tenuous, so there weren't as many jobs out there. Then real estate got really hot. And even though it was hot, uh, he always prioritized our jobs. And so that this is really the time to create that loyalty so that when the market does turn and things get hot again, they're going to be a great team member. They're going to be loyal to you. So this is this is when you want to go out and build that great team, that great loyal team. And our final tip is manage your mind because during recessions, people get scared. People get fearful. I'm sure all of you can feel the sentiment in the streets, even right now, of just the fear and people not wanting to take any actions at all. And they're sitting on the sidelines, waiting, maybe not learning all the skills that they need to do, not working on their team, not putting in offers anymore, even though there's always inefficiencies in the real estate market. So even in the toughest times, there are still going to be deals, but people get scared and they don't want to do anything. And when that happens, the tendency is that you're going to miss a lot of opportunity. And as we've mentioned, the recession really is an opportunity for all of us who can continue to 
act with courage. And that's courage is having fear, but doing something anyway, because you know, it's the right thing to do. And so if you can manage your mind, if you can say, okay, I know it looks scary, but I understand the cash on cash calculator. I can evaluate a deal. I have a great team. Let me continue to look at deals. Let me continue to make offers when they make sense. Let me negotiate really hard. Let me not freak out when some of my properties that gained a hundred thousand in valuation in the last year lose a hundred thousand in valuation. It doesn't matter. I bought a really good deal. It cash flows. Let me not freak out. If you can do that, you are going to be in such a different situation when we come out of this recession because you will have continued to grow even though everyone else was scared and they were shrinking. And so this is really, really a great opportunity for those in our community because you've all been working on your mindsets. You've all gone through a lot of training in our courses. You're ready for this and lean on each other when you get scared because your community will help you continue to grow, help just set that standard for you and uh, and help you come out of this very, very very great position. Yeah. And just to provide some additional context uh, in my my past experience, uh, sometimes it helps to put yourself in the shoes of the seller and what their psychology is. And there's fear on that end as well, especially if you have a property and you're short on cash and you need the cash. Uh, and let's say that, you know, and this is actually a real example of somebody who had a property that was worth over a million dollars. And they have at this point, they have a loan of about 400,000 and they were willing to go pretty close to that amount. Uh, they like to make a little bit of money, but they were willing to go close to that amount just to get rid of the property because they had to. Uh, they were not in a position where they could hold on to the property. Uh, they needed a little bit of cash. They didn't need the mortgage payment anymore. They didn't want to, they wanted it out of that mortgage payment. And so just wanted to kind of share with you that. You know, you have to understand that there is fear on the other side of this and to kind of put yourself in the shoes of what's going on there. So point is that there's going to be some great deals out there. And again, for those of you who are kind of sitting there saying, well, you know, aren't you kind of preying on people who are who are in a bad position? Well, yeah, it's ultimately up to them, right? They, they have to decide whether or not they're going to sell. Uh, I had the choice back then of either selling at a loss or working more shifts in order to pay for the mortgage. And so if somebody comes to you and says, look, I'm just willing to sell to get rid of this property, ultimately they are, they made the decision that they, that's the decision they made. They have alternatives, right? Which is they can hold on to the property, but they chose the path of selling the property. So I just wanted to kind of put out there that, that a transaction is you have both sides agreeing to the sales price, right? Yeah, that's a really great point. And I'm sure that people are concerned about that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I know you've been on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I know the relief you probably had getting rid of some of those buildings, even though you were coming out at a loss just to not have to continue to play, pay that mortgage. And so just remember on the other side, there is a relief that comes with selling a property, even if you're not making as much gain as you thought you would, or even if you're just getting rid of a liability, there's a lot of relief that comes with that. So well, um, yeah, I just want to emphasize that. Yeah, when, when you were you remember we sold some properties at a loss, and this mm -hmm. I bought these properties before we got together, and I sold them at a loss. But yeah, it was it was a relief. I even had to come to the table with money. I, in order to close, I had to pay money to close. But like you said, there was a lot of relief uh, to get rid of that liability. And you know, for me to look at the positive side of things, I created actually a lot of losses, capital capital losses, and so uh, that 
is something that we have been able to use and we will be able to use in the future as well if we ever sell a property and we want to offset some capital gains. Uh, so there was some benefit there. Uh, obviously, not uh, it better to sell this property at a profit, but I was really happy to get rid of the liability and the 10 years of mortgage payments, uh, you know, uh, property taxes, uh, and for some properties, utilities, right? So, uh, so it was a real relief to, to get rid of those monthly payments. Right. So that's a really excellent way to, I think, end is just to remind you all, don't be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're you're following these 10 tips that we just gave you to make sure you're buying really excellent deals that you're going to be able to hold long term. And again, recessions come, they go. And so this is not to last forever, but you have the opportunity right now to make this recession something that you come out stronger from. And that's what we really would love to see our community be able to do and uh, to be able to celebrate your success at the other side of this. So hopefully this gave you some ideas about what you might want to do differently going into the next six months, next 12 months. We will put, again, the links to the cash and cash calculators with both the short and long-term rental ones below. So you can start running numbers on cash and cash and running your multiple scenarios. And if you like this episode, make sure you give us a five-star review and subscribe to our our YouTube channel. Actually, we have a really great semi-retired YouTube channel. And we'll see you in the next episode. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.